0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today, I was joined by my good friend, Christy Campbell, who is basically a regular on the show at this point. I always get amazing feedback anytime I have Christy on and we just hit record and have a conversation. We never talk really about what we're going to be discussing on the show. Uh, we typically just, you know, we're, we're in communication quite a bit. And I think it's important for anybody that is trying to improve their health or run a business or do something that you have people that you are kind of on the same journey with. And it's nice because we kind of check in on each other, see how things are going from a business perspective. And uh, it just owning a business can feel like you're on an island. It can feel very lonely. And so I think that we all need that level of support. But We were chatting, and I was like, hey, do you want to just hit record and do a podcast? And that's what we did. And it ended up up being an amazing conversation I think you guys are going to find really valuable. And if you do, we would love to hear about it. As always, uh, just shoot us a message on Instagram or take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories. Tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And you can tag Christy at Christy May Campbell. And uh, I actually have an announcement for coaches if you are a coach that listens to this podcast i know there's a lot of you because you message me frequently and i love it i love that there are coaches that want to improve and help their clients and that i can be at least a small source of inspiration or information or whatever it may be and the most common question i ask get get asked <laughs> the most common question i get asked is how do i level up my skill set as a coach to improve The client results that I'm creating. And previously, my just kind of surface level answer was Hey, I highly recommend that you check out NCI level one. And if you're interested, check out my neurotyping course. And that was kind of it. And I always felt like it was pretty incomplete because there are so many great resources out there, but I've never quite found something that I'm like, you know what? This is it. Like, this is the gold standard. Well, I am now involved in a Program and mentorship called WellFits. And this is truly the gold standard if you are trying to level up as a coach. This is not just a course that you sign up for and you go through some modules and you get a bunch of information thrown at you and you're left to your own devices to apply it. Now, full transparency that is how my Neurotype course is set up right now. If you sign up for the course, you watch all the modules, you take a test, and you get certified. This is a true mentorship. It is a 12-month mentorship, and it is a custom one-on-one program that's special specialized to you, your questions, your concerns. It's, it's not a, hey, just watch this module. This is hands-on. There are only 20 people that will go through the mentorship this year. It starts in May. It starts May 1st there's only 20 spots available and I'm super honored to be involved in this program because when you hear the curriculum you're going to be blown away so there's first of all there's coaching calls every single month there's uh, community group calls where you get to ask questions and also demonstrate what you've learned you'll be able to go through client questionnaires and protocols uh, there's also the master classes and modules and workbooks and video tutorials and case studies and slide decks and all of the actual material that you'll get to keep. But but listen to this. Here's how it works. Module one, understanding circadian rhythm. Module two, intro to gut health. Module three, gut health protocols. Module four, liver detoxification. Number five, HPA access. Module six, blood chemistry, being able to read labs. Module seven, PCOS module eight, thyroid, module nine, testosterone, module 10, optimizing for longevity, module 11, perimenopause, and module 12, mitochondria. This is the gold standard. I'm going to say it again, the gold standard for any coach that is trying to level up to be able to help clients on a level that is unmatched, like complicated, complicated, Cases, if you're dealing with perimenopausal clients, if you're dealing with clients who have an autoimmune condition, who have thyroid issues, PCOS, hormonal issues, you need to equip yourself with the skill set to be able to deliver. If that is what you desire, if you want to be a high level coach, of course, you have to make that decision. And if that decision is yes, I want to help and continue to create results for my clients on a high level, complex cases to know with full confidence that regardless of where somebody's at, if they come to me, they are going to get the result that they desire. Then you should consider the WellFits Mentorship. As I mentioned, there's only 20 spots. So it is invite only. What that means is you will message me on Instagram and tell me that you're interested in the WellFits Mentorship. We will go through a screening process and at that point, if you decide you want to commit to one of the 20 spots that are available, amazing. We'll get you enrolled. We start May 1st. 12 months of mentorship and education and being able to accommodate clients who have all sorts of different needs, uh, being able to address complex issues, being able to look at labs and blood work and gut health issues and hormone issues, and just being a incredible resource for your clients. So. If that sounds appealing to you, if you're a coach and you're at all interested, just shoot me a message on Instagram. That is the first step in this process is to just message me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and say, Hey, I'm interested in that Well Fits mentorship that you talked about on your show. And we'll go from there. Now, that was a a very long winded explanation, but I'm excited. And hopefully you see why, because it is pretty uh, robust. And I think it's going to be super valuable. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into this conversation with Christy, and please do me a favor, like, uh, subscribe to the show if you're not subscribed already, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you want a chance to win some more prizes, uh, which we'll announce on the next episode. All right, I'm done talking. Let's get into the conversation with Christy Campbell. All right, what's up, everybody? I have a, you, you might as well be like the unofficial co-host of the show because you're definitely the most frequent guest i don't even know what appearance this is but christy campbell welcome back uh i don't feel like you need to do an introduction but if you want to give me like the five five minute elevator pitch to uh, get things started we can certainly do that
1: well i'm glad to be back i'm happy to be the honorary co-host um i don't know what this is maybe four or five at least um but that's probably because we talk all the time anyway so why not share those conversations with people um yeah i guess the 5 minute background story on me is um mike and i actually met back when we were both kind of just getting started with our online coaching business helping other people um but before i was definitely not a coach uh like as a i didn't i guess what i would say is Coaching came to me the same way it did to you, which was we we ended up needing our own personal transformation. We needed help and a coach helped us. And so then it inspired an entire career shift. Uh and so, you know, I grew up a pretty active, healthy kid, um, but I ate all the garbage. So I grew up thinking Gushers and Oda Spunkmeyer cookies and um, you know, nutty buddy bars were food. Um, definitely was like the fast food, loved my Burger King, my onion rings, my, you know. I would get onion rings and a slurpee before soccer practice and I just thought that that was normal food. Um and then I thought healthy food was, you know, weight watchers meals or spray butter or low fat crackers or those kind of things. So I kind of had this weird idea of food growing up where I was eating mostly processed food junk and then healthy food was kind of diet food. I'd watch my mom struggle with her weight her whole life and I just thought well like that's how you eat when you're overweight. And as a kid, I wasn't overweight because I was playing so many sports. Um, So although my nutrition was sort of not great, um, I didn't struggle with my weight. But if you fast forward, you know, going into the Navy, I had one botched knee surgery that turned into 10. Um, So I had 10 knee surgeries, so four ACL reconstructions, a microfracture, a bone graft. And then I had my first two kids. And all of a sudden, I found myself 40, 45 pounds overweight, my baby weight had become my body weight. And so it was not just, oh, six weeks after I had a baby, I was overweight. No, no, no. Two years after my second son, I was 45 pounds overweight. And in this place where, because of all those knee surgeries, I thought, well, I can't exercise. I can't do all the things I used to do active growing up. And i Only knew one way to try to lose weight, which was to eat healthy meant to diet. So I would do, I joined Weight Watchers like four or five times. I did a shake challenge. I did all of the things. I would drink slim fast meals. I was just looking for a solution because I was unhappy in my skin. So I felt happy as a mom. I felt happy as a professional, but I didn't feel like, it felt like the real me was buried down beneath this bigger body um, that didn't feel good in clothes, that didn't feel confident. Um, I didn't enjoy things the way I used to anymore. So we took the kids to Disney and I hid in the back of the pictures and it was in my late twenties. I had already given up on ever feeling good. I was like, this must be mom life. And so I was really in this stuck place where I didn't see a solution. And I started thinking, well, I must just not be disciplined. Um, My friends must have it figured out. I'm always going to be the person who's chubby. I mean, I thought it was almost like my birthright. My mom had struggled with her weight. So I was like, must be me too. Um, and it wasn't until I met a coach, honestly, and at the time I didn't know anything was happening. I just joined a gym. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but I was really still in the mindset of like, this better work for me or I'm quitting. And I would go to, you know, step aerobics class and then go straight to the bathroom, get on the scale, see if it worked. You know, did I lose weight? And I happened to run into a coach and he invited me to his, you know, outdoor class in the park. And there was a million reasons to not go and a million reasons why it wasn't gonna matter, but I went anyway. And everything that he did in that class was terrible. It was all awful. Um, everything was hard. I couldn't do one push up. My knee I had this big knee brace on. I dressed in all black cause I was embarrassed about my body. Um, bear crawls were impossible. I mean, you name it. Every single exercise was just awful. And I remember thinking to myself, I cannot wait till this class is over. And uh, he walked by me as I was doing an exercise and he goes, I see an athlete in there. And it was like in that one moment, he saw something in me that I couldn't see anymore, that I thought was buried, that I thought was lost. He, as a coach, saw potential. And then he also knew how to get there. And he was like, I better see you back, you know, tomorrow or the next day, whenever the class, the next class was. And because he could see that potential in me, I went back. And it wasn't like I all of a sudden had this epic decision of this is the time I'm going to get in shape. It was just like, what's the next step? And the next step was to come back the next day. And so over the course of that year, he he helped me learn to exercise again. He didn't baby me because of my knee. He helped me push past a lot of my belief systems around my what I was able to do with my knee. He taught me how to eat. So no one had ever told me about nutrition and, you know, how to actually fuel yourself correctly, not eat junk food all the time, not drink too much. Like nobody had ever told me that. It was like a a you know, a surprise almost. Um and he gave me a a coaching and a community. He he gave me a path and he gave me people to do it with. And that experience that year, yes, I lost 45 pounds, but it transformed my life because it gave me back the piece of me that was lost. And so that's when I was like, well, I'm in. This is what I'm going to do for other people because it transcended jobs. It transcended you know where you went to school. It transcended all the things because it was tapping into the most like core thing, which is I did not feel good in my body. Um, and he helped me change that. And so that was about nine years ago. And so I started coaching in person first in a CrossFit gym and boot camps and stuff like that and weightlifting and then ultimately transitioned to coaching online. And that's when we met um, was to help, you know, when I just had started committing to helping people change their lifestyle and do it with nutrition and getting access to, you know, movement and exercise and that kind of thing. And so that's the brief background story.
0: Yeah and I I've, I've heard your story so many times and I didn't really appreciate how similar our stories truly are uh, mm-hmm. all the way to the point of like you when you're describing the boot camp in the park that was the the feeling that I had of like do I really want to step foot in this gym like I I I joined my gym that was like my first exposure to strength training and I same thing been an athlete my whole life you know gained a lot of weight after college and then lost myself, lost my identity. Was trying all of these things, nothing was working. Feeling frustrated, and then I got a group on for this local gym, and I remember walking up the stairs, and it was this tiny little, you know, maybe the size of my office, and uh, which is not very big. It was like literally this hole in the wall place. And I go upstairs, and I look in the window of the door, and there's two really fit people that clearly knew what they were doing, and that was all I saw. And I was like, oh hell no, I'm not walking in. <laughs> And there was just something about it where it was like, I have to go in. I everything was telling me you don't belong, you're not fit. These people like clearly know what they're doing. And it's one of those environments where you can't just hide. Like when I was in school, I would sit in the back and I would try to be, you know, don't yeah. notice me, don't call on me. I couldn't do that in this place. But for some reason, I opened the door, I walked in and it changed my life. And um I think that we're in the unique position because we've had our businesses about the same amount of time we met about five years ago. And I think with us, it's not just that we were gifted with this ability or genetic, you know, whatever, that we're able to just maintain a fit and healthy lifestyle. We've had to earn it. We've had to work for it. And then we've witnessed a lot of people come through our various programs. We've witnessed a lot of clients, uh, successful people, and people who weren't ready to make a change. And I think that that perspective is interesting. So First from your, before we talk about it from like the, the client perspective, from your personal perspective, you mentioned going to your step aerobics class or your, your whatever class you were doing and then immediately going to the scale to be like, mm-hmm. did this work? How did you, because I think one of the most important characteristics of successful people is they're so process focused and not result focused. They're like, I know that if I do these things, the result will come over time and I don't care when it comes, but I know that And I don't really care what the exact result is, but I know that if I focus on the process, I'll get there. How did you shift that from, is it working, is it working, is it working, to I just need to focus on the process?
1: At the time, I don't think I knew how to shift it. Um, I feel like there were other places in my life where I had that more process-oriented approach. Um, Because when I went to college, I didn't think, oh, well, if I you know, show up and I get a B today. I guess I'm not gonna get my degree. Might as well quit. Like I didn't have that. I was like, okay, we gotta study, we've gotta be organized, we've got to do the thing, because eventually if we do the things every day, we're gonna end up with this outcome, this degree. And so there were other places in my life that I didn't think that way. I mean, even as a mom, you don't think that way. It's not, it's not transactional like that. You're you recognize these little people are developing. So you're going to put in time. It's going to change over, you know, consistency matters. Like, you know, all of that. But when it came to body stuff, exercise and nutrition, I was 100% the belief system that it was transactional. And so when I had signed up for the shake challenge, I was like, you know, day two, is it working? I just spent $97 this month on protein shakes better work. And it was very much like, uh, solve this problem for me as quickly as possible with as little effort from me as possible, because it's not my fault that this is this is how it is. So somebody needs to just give me the answer. Um, and it was funny too, because I, as a kid, exercise was fun. I loved sports. Moving my body was fun. And I lost that as an adult. It became well, if I get on this elliptical machine and it says I burned 500 calories, well, awesome. Now I'm, you know, closer to losing weight. And it became very transactional. Like if I burn these calories, then I'm going to lose weight. It was not fun anymore. It was just, this is what you have to do. And so that is how I entered that season is very much transactional. And maybe part of what helped change it was... um Although I was tracking my progress. So in that year um, where I lost 45 pounds, I remember I had one of those armbands. Do you remember those from Biggest Loser and stuff? That's I tr- got one. And I wore that thing everywhere. It was like this, you know, superhero badge of like, I'm trying to lose weight. I mean, it was not subtle. It's not like a, a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. Like it was a armband of like, I'm doing a thing. So it wasn't that I wasn't tracking my daily things because I used that. I just started to have more fun with the what I could do. That really helped me. And so each time that I would go to that class, it it became a little bit more about like, oh, I couldn't hang from the bar before now I can. Or, oh, like I couldn't do one push-up, but now I can do, you know, three, or I couldn't pick up that weight anymore, and now I can. And I shifted the focus of Having it be constantly about weight loss and then more about feeling a certain kind of way and doing certain things. And again, at the time, I didn't know that that was really one of the keys to creating sustainable change is removing some of that all or nothing um, transactional, you know, everything being about weight loss. But it it started to be fun again. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's how it started to become more process oriented.
0: Yeah. I think that that's such a, Overlooked and underrated part of the process. And if you just take that piece away and think about it, like put it in isolation, the part that you have to enjoy the process. And then it becomes very apparent why most programs don't work or why people can't stay consistent with them or why they're not a long term solution. Because then you start to go through, if you're like me, the Rolodex of all of the stupid programs that I tried. And I'm like, of course I was miserable. Like there's no fun in having. A box of powdered meals show up at my door and then I have to mix it and it says eggs. And I'm like, this doesn't look like eggs, but I still have to choke it down because this is what I think I have to do for the transaction of if I eat this, then I'll lose this weight versus finding a way to fuel my body in a way that I enjoy because it helps me get stronger and it helps me recover and it helps me lift more and it helps me uh, you know, uh, with my digestion and my mood and my energy and my sex drive and all the things that we can find joy in the process. I start going for walks because I love being outside and just being in awe of the fact that I'm in nature and I can look at the sky and the clouds, like all these little things that we just completely gloss over. And I do think that this is particularly unique to health and fitness for some reason, because I was on a call with Aram, who we both know, and Mm -hmm. uh, he's been on this podcast before. And he had an analogy where it was like that transactional nature. It's like if you went to work every day, and like the first thing that you did when you got to work, you arrived, you pull up, and you like knock on your boss's door, and you're like, "Hey, am I getting a raise today?" And he's like, "No, not today." Then the next day, you do the same thing. Hey, am I getting a raise today? And every single day, the first thing you do when you get to work is, "Hey, am I getting a raise? Hey, am I getting a raise?" Hey. Like, whoa, chill. What you do at work is you put in the work. You show up. You're consistent. You provide value. You you know, you you know basically make it known that I deserve a raise without actually saying it. And then over enough time, then your boss calls you in and it's like, hey, I really appreciate all the work you've been doing. I think you deserve a raise. And it's not like today I did a good job. Where's my money? Like pay me more, pay me more. And we don't do that in other areas of our life. I do feel like for some reason, that mindset is so unique to fitness and nutrition and health.
1: Hmm. I mean, I think the only other place that people sometimes do it is maybe in finances, but maybe it's because they don't actually understand like longer term wealth growth. And I'm certainly not an expert, but I can think about it in that way. If you are payday loaning it all the time. And you're like, let me get rich in this next thing. My friend told me about this, like, you know, microwave selling deal. So I'm going to trade in my paycheck, get this, and I'm buying these 17 microwaves so that we can sell them because we're all going to get rich. Like, we kind of know that that's silly, but we do know people. I'm sure we all know people who, who do those kind of things. And we're like, why don't do that? You're like, that's just not how you like get to a place of financial stability. And, you know, maybe it could work, but like, probably not. And we can see it in that category. And we know people who struggle with that. And then we have people, I meet these incredible women who are so capable because in Fit Me, we, we primarily only work with women. And so I meet these women who have, who are physician assistant, who are paramedics, who are teachers, who are, you know, who are accountants, who have all of these things. They juggle incredible, you know, professional things, or maybe they're just juggling their household, like in this, you know, really organized and structured way and they just do all of the things and they payday loan their body. It makes me nuts because I'm like, you would never do this in any other category. But here you are, like you just told me you spent $2,500 on a powdered meal program because they promised you that it was going to solve all your problems. Like it's the same as the microwave thing.
0: So let's talk about that because I think it's a really interesting point. And you mentioned like, oh, I spent $97 on this shake program. So it had to work. Or I spent, you know, $500 a month to have these. I think that's what I spent on Metafest when it was like boxes of powdered. I think it was 500 a month. And I barely, like I think I stood, stayed on it for a week, maybe. And then I had this expense that I wasn't using and this box of junk food that I wasn't eating. And I was still significantly overweight and trying to figure it out. I kept, trying to solve the problem and spending more money and investing more money. And ultimately through a lot of lessons and and dollars out the door, I was like, I probably need somebody who can actually walk me through this process and hold my hand because clearly all of these shortcuts aren't working. And I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars, but I never once thought to myself, well, I spent money on this. And I'm not where I want to be, so I'm never going to spend another dollar on my health ever again. But some people have that mindset. I had two people yesterday basically tell me the exact – this scenario, they're like, I have the money to invest in myself, but I cannot get myself to do it because I've spent money in the past on things that did not work. And my analogy was very similar to like your knee situation. As you were telling that story, I was like, that kind of relates. My analogy was like, if you had a cavity and a dentist didn't fill it properly, would you be like, oh, well, I spent money. I'm just going to live with this cavity for the rest of my life. Or for your situation, the knee surgery didn't go well. So you're like, screw it. I'm not going to pay for another knee surgery. And like, I'm just going to live with this fucked up knee for the rest of my life. Like we we wouldn't think that way. If you still have the problem, you're still going to invest in getting it solved. But for some reason, there is this fear and this like paralyzation of, I spent money on a program that didn't work. So I'm not going to spend money ever again on this thing that is so freaking valuable to me. And I know that it's bothering me. Like one woman was like, I wake up in the morning and I think about my weight. I go to sleep at night. I think about my weight. All I do is think about food. I'm obsessed. It's stressing me out, but yet I don't want to spend money because even though I have it, I spent money in the past and it didn't get me to where I want to be. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk, talk to that for a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing too is that some of us have spent money on all those things because we genuinely didn't know better, I would say, in some ways. Like let's we'll start with that. If you like you and I talked about, we kind of grew up just 80s, 90s kids. If you grew up in that time period, low fat was the thing, you know, Adkins was the thing, like it was inundating you with diet culture. Like there are a lot of reasons you might have entered adulthood with sort of a skewed version. Of nutrition, especially if again, like that was a season of all processed food is better, and so you're thinking this, and so I get it. We we might have entered into adulthood with uh, starting maybe with less skills than we need around how to do nutrition, exercise, taking care of ourselves, and that only gives you a pass for so long. Honestly, it doesn't give you a pass at all. It's just where you're starting at. And then you have to own it from there. And so what's funny is when we pay money for things that are not actually solving that problem, you're not actually learning anything about nutrition, how to take care of yourself. You're not actually developing a long-term exercise or, you know, movement routine. You're not actually dealing with your mindset and relationship with food. You're just spending money to lose weight. You are not addressing the problem that you entered adulthood with potentially. And so it's almost irrelevant that you spent that money because you didn't spend it on actually fixing the real problem. And so I've gone back and forth because I felt for a long time like, well, part of this isn't my fault. And that's the wrong mindset. You can understand your background in history and acknowledge that it's part of your story now. And it's kind of where you're starting, but it doesn't change the fact that you have to own where you are now. And if you wake up in the morning and you're obsessed with your weight and you're thinking about it and all day long, it haunts you and you go to bed and you think about your weight, like you were talking about with your, with your person, you have to own that reality and do something about it. It doesn't matter how you got here. It's, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, and I think I, I didn't know that because that same, that transactional mindset that we were talking about was very much like a not ownership mindset, it was, this isn't really my fault, so I'm just going to pay the money and you're going to solve this problem. But the problem with that is exactly what you're saying. When it doesn't work, then you're like, well, I wasted money. Either I couldn't follow through, the thing didn't work, whatever. Um, and it gives you that that failure feeling. It gives you that feeling of um, letting yourself down, letting other people down, um, having something be fundamentally wrong with you that the... Powdered shake program or the meal replacement plan didn't work long term, but those things were never designed to work long term. They were never ever designed to help you create long term success. In fact, they are not even allowed to claim that they can because they are not. Um, and so, I, I I understand why someone would feel like that. I genuinely do because if that's how you've entered into this moment now with that background. It can feel like that, but um, if you haven't invested anything in solving it long term, then you're actually starting at the very beginning.
0: Yep. I think it's illustrating the difference between fault and responsibility. So if I'm, you know, sitting at a red light and somebody smashes into the back of my car, not my fault, but it is my responsibility to get it fixed and to file the insurance claim and to handle all of that. Look, or I could just be like. Well, it wasn't my fault. So I'm just going to leave my car the way that it is and drive around on a beat up car or maybe have no car because I don't want to handle it because it wasn't my fault. Like it doesn't matter to your point how we got here. It is always your responsibility. Um, but I, I know that there's going to be somebody that's listening that says, you know, I, I recognize what you're saying in. Learning the lessons of I invested in transactional programs or meal replacements or shakes or whatever it is. And I I I recognize it. I recognize the difference between being like, all right, I'm gonna shell out this money for a program that promises me, you know, extreme weight loss and very transactional. I didn't learn anything about how to heal my relationship with food or how to build healthy habits or how to take care of myself, move my body in a way that I enjoy all the things that that we know make a difference. And I recognize the disconnect, but then I tried to find somebody who I thought was going to be the right fit for me as a coach. And I thought that I had the right person and I invested in a coaching program and it still wasn't the right fit for me. So that's more money that I've invested thinking that I was getting the solution that was promised because this person told me they were going to teach me about habits. They told me they were going to teach me about sustainability and it just did not work for me. Um, How do you address that to continue the process of like, We're still not done. We still have more work to do.
1: Yeah, I I wish that that didn't happen. I wish that there weren't programs and coaches out there that look like they're the right thing that really aren't, that are promising you coaching when really they're giving you a template or that are promising you long-term results, but then they give you a strategy that intentionally hurts you because it gets you very rapid short-term results so that you'll pay more money, but then it's not designed to keep you around long-term and see success. I wish there wasn't Those out there, but there are. Um, I guess what it made me think of was when my son Henry was sort of having this issue. This was probably four or five years ago. He's 12 now, but he was little. He was, you know, seven or eight, and he wasn't sleeping very well. It was weird. He was, he woke up in the morning and his eyes always looked like they had dark bags under his eyes. His face always looked puffy to me and I couldn't figure it out, you know? And I remember taking him to his primary care and he didn't have an answer. And I was like, okay, well, that's not acceptable. And so I was like, who do we need to see? And the primary care is like, well, maybe an ENT. And they didn't have an answer for me. So I remember asking my friends and I was like, does anybody know anybody that I can take him to to try to solve this problem? There's something not right. Like he's not well. And and I, and so I they gave me a referral. So I was like using my network to find someone who could tell me the next step. And then I found the next step and I went to that doctor and it was an allergist. And the allergist was like, well, this could be blah, 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 but you're going to need to see an ENT. And I was like, well, I need to, where's an ENT? Like, let me find one. So we ended up taking him to an ENT and we end up at Georgetown um with an ENT and we figured it out. Eventually we f- he ended up having his tonsils and adenoids removed. We found that he had a particular allergy to things. It was disrupting his sleep. He actually had sleep apnea as a kid because of his allergies point is, is Henry is very important to me. And getting no from the first pediatrician wasn't acceptable. I needed to be like resourceful and find the solution. And it did take multiple steps. And that's okay because it was worth it. And so again, I wish that I had had the fast track. I wish that someone who had a kid that had the exact thing that Henry had Could have been like, yep, go straight to this doctor right here, right? That's the advantage of having someone who's done it before. They can save you some of those steps. But it was not an option to just quit because he's important. But I know particularly women, but men too, that do not value taking care of themselves in a way that would help them be resourceful and try to find solutions or not quit when something doesn't work. And we would do that for people we care about. So why not? Why wouldn't we do that for ourselves?
0: What is the answer to that? Why, why do you think it is that so many people will say, on the one hand, my health is incredibly important to me, and I know that I don't feel comfortable in my own skin, and I know that I don't have energy, and I want to be more active for my kids, I want to set a better example for my kids, like surface-level answers, we're checking all the boxes, we're saying all the right things why do you feel like there is a disconnect between the words and the actions and not necessarily even the actions themselves? Because it, I, the way that I see it, it's kind of like this. I really want to do this thing. So I'm going to like take this step, but like, that's a scary step. So I'm going to step back. So it's not like there is, I don't want to paint the picture of somebody who's like lazy, who just says, screw it. Cause that's not, I know we don't deal with, I don't believe that is the case. And there's a lot of people out there that would probably say, oh, most people are lazy and eat too much. And I, I vehemently disagree with that. I me think too. most people want to change, but change is very difficult. So I'm more speaking from that lens of, I really want this. I know it's important to me. I know why it's important to me. And I just, I'm like dipping my toe in the water, but then I'm scared. So I'm stepping back. I'm taking two steps forward. I'm taking two steps back. And now I'm back at square one. And I, and I don't, Invest in myself the way that I should because I don't prioritize it. And I have a budget for all of these things, except for my own well being. Like, where do you feel like the disconnect lives? What is the answer to that question of why don't we do those things?
1: Mm, I, I feel like there's a couple of factors that create that behavior pattern. Because really, that's a behavior pattern of recognizing something is wrong and knowing that you can and you should do something about it, but then not doing it. Uh, I think the first issue is potentially a little, and I agree with you 100%, most of the people that I meet are anything but lazy. They are working their butts off in every category. They just are not in this one um and i think one of the things can be a little bit of complacency and i don't mean that in laziness but i mean in making the assumption that you have more time later to deal with that and so you're you're approaching it as like well i'll get to that when things slow down when you know x y and z align when we have more money when i have more time when the kids are this when the job is this and so we're approaching it with a it's not urgent mindset Um, And that complacency can make it hard to take a step forward because why would you if you could just put it off? But I think we take for granted our health. We are not promised that things won't go sideways tomorrow. And oftentimes, you know, when we have that health scare or that painful thing, then we realize, oh my gosh, you know, I was complacent for way too long. Um, So I think that can be part of it, uh, believing that you can do it later. I think the other thing is we only have a certain amount of like F's to give most of us. And we fill all of that up with everything else. And then we wonder why we don't follow through on the workout. We wonder why we forget to eat or to forget to do our meal prep, but you prioritized everything else and it took up all of the F's that you have to give you have none left for yourself. And so you can feel bad about it all you want, but you, aren't on the list. And so you're going to keep forgetting. Um, And so that is a fundamental shift that has to happen. If you actually want to start working out consistently, you have to become a priority. And most people aren't willing to edit. And so that's really where that gap is. They're like, okay, well, I get it. I should be a priority. So I'm going to add this to my plate. I'm going to add this to my plate. But usually it requires removing something. And that's the part people don't want to do. If I go to the gym, then I'm not going to be spending, you know, from four to five 30 with my kids when they get off the bus, you have to make a trade off in order to put yourself on the list. Or if I'm going to meal prep on Sunday, that means I'm not going to go, you know, screw around with my, my friends and watch football, like with all the other families or whatever you, there's a trade off. And most people don't want to make that trade.
0: I want to take a brief pause in this conversation with Christy to tell you about my favorite supplement on the planet which is, of course, Serenity Gummies by Cured. If you are struggling with sleep at all, if you're struggling with if anxiety, racing thoughts at night, if you know that you're leaving results on the table because you're overly stressed, you're not sleeping as well as you could, and you need a little extra insurance to help you overcome anxiety, to eliminate those racing thoughts in your brain, to get you some quality sleep, Serenity Gummies by Cured that's the way to go. I've been loving the clementine flavor, by the way. Uh, they have a passion fruit and they have clementine. Clementine is delicious. Uh, it is an acquired taste, by the way, but it gets the job done. It is literally my favorite supplement. I've been saying that for a while and nothing has surpassed it to this point. If something does, I will be fully honest and I will tell you, but right now it's still my favorite product to take at night to help me with sleep and They have an amazing line of products, and of course, you get 20% off because you are a brilliant Mind Over Macros listener. So all you have to do is go to curednutrition.com and use code POPFAM, that's P-O-P-F-A-M, for 20% off any of their products. As long as it's not already bundled and discounted, you will get your 20% off. I highly recommend starting with the Serenity Gummies if you need help with sleep. If you're struggling with anxiety, start with their broad-spectrum CBD, But truthfully, just go to the website, go to curednutrition.com, and just look through their products and see what might be the best fit for you. And when you make that selection, use code POPFAM to get 20% off. Uh, For me personally, it's the Serenity Gummies. If I need a little extra help with sleep, I'll either do the Zen Caps or the Night Caps. I will also do the Rise product if I need a little more focus. And the broad spectrum CBD is great for anxiety. So if I'm waking up feeling a little anxious, I'll do the broad spectrum CBD and it's super helpful. So curednutrition.com, code POPFAM, 20% off. And now let's get back to this conversation with Christy. It's interesting when you talk about like the, I'll do it later, the you know delay. Uh, I always talk about like your relationship with your future self and how we either treat that person like a stranger or a superhero. And the stranger is the, where I'm going to make a decision right now that serves me, but harms my future self. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's like, I'm going to get shit faced tonight because that's morning Mike's problem. That's not my problem. He's going to deal with the hangover. He's going to miss the gym. He's going to feel like crap, but I don't have to deal with that now. So I'm going to live in the moment and, uh, just, you know, remove all (laughs) discipline. And, and then there's the superhero, which is I missed the gym today, but that's okay because future me will go to the gym every day next week and like the superhero is going to come in and save the day and he or she is likely not because when you make that decision, it is a behavior pattern. So the following week, it'll be future you the next week and future you the next week. Um, And I had somebody who I spoke with was somebody that I've known from way back at the old gym I used to work with. And she's like, I've been following you since then. And I read all your stuff and I listen to your podcast and she's probably going to know that I'm talking about her right now, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Um, She's like, I've been lurking forever and I need, like, I want to lose this weight. I feel like there may be some hormonal stuff going on. My metabolism is not what it used to be. All the things that I'm doing, just nothing is working. And so, you know, it's always strange when you have like an old contact that, you know, it's not like somebody who I have no history with. I, I usually okay. handle these situations differently. Normally I'd be like, I'm going to get you on a call and we're going to, you know, we'll do an enrollment call. We'll talk and see if you're a good fit. But in this particular case, it was very casual. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, well, I want to talk to somebody who maybe has some experience, like somebody who like went through the program or coaches in the program. It's like my age. Uh, She's in her forties. And like, I was like, Hey, talk to Mel. So they, they chatted for a while. Mel's like, look, I, I get it. I'm, you know, I'm your age. I have three kids. I, I work two jobs. I know, I know the struggle this is what we do, blah, blah blah. So she was like totally in, and then she messaged me and she's like, "Hey, I I was ready to move forward, but then we got this sewer bill, and I recognize that I just can't swing it financially right now. And the point is that there's always going to be a sewer bill, and the sewer bill is not like yes, this was her excuse, a sewer bill, but the sewer bill represents anything. The sewer bill represents any any bill, any expense, anything." That you're using as justification to not prioritize yourself. And when we talk about successful people, why is it that there's just a difference in mindset of successful people who are like, I have a budget that I spend on myself, on my health and my well being, and that is a non negotiable versus somebody who's like, oh shit, this like sewer bill hit, or uh, we got this like unexpected, you know, bill that we have to, and so now, the first thing that goes is me mm-hmm. like how how do we help people or do we or is it just something that i have to say you know what because my response was like hey really sorry to hear that <laughs> you know reach out when you're ready because i'm not in the business of trying to convince somebody that they should prioritize themselves but then in the back of my mind i'm like every fucking month there's going to be a sewer bill and and yeah, it's so already hard. been years So how much more time do you want to waste? But I don't want to go down that path if it's, if I'm just wasting my breath. Um, So help put my mind at ease.
1: Yeah, I, I think two, one is, and I had this belief system too. I would look at people who had a healthy body weight, who were where I wanted to be. And I thought that they were lucky. I thought that that's what they got. And I got a bad deal and they got this. And I didn't understand that it, because I couldn't see behind, you know, what they were doing. I just saw them and thought that. And so I didn't understand that most of the people who live who are a healthy body weight, who have a good body image, who feel energized, who have generally have that healthy lifestyle, they are investing in themselves in a whole bunch of different ways. But you don't know it. You just see the body and you're like, well, how do I get that body? How do I get there? How do I lose that weight? And so there's almost this um disconnect because you think something is true and it's not true right like you think they just automatically got that way but that's not true and i remember my mom when she joined fit me she joined my program and i'm obviously not her coach but she has a coach and she was making these fundamental shifts and then one day she was sitting and talking to me and she said i feel so bad i'm spending i need to quit one of these things and i was like what are you talking about and she's like well I'm spending money on coach. I'm spending money on the aquatic center. I'm spending money so I can go to the gym and work with a trainer. And, you know, I'm spending money on extra food. And when I add it all up, it's like 700 bucks a month. She's like, this isn't this can't be right. And I was like, mom, you're doing it. Like that is literally what you're doing. You are you have prioritized yourself now and you're spending money on taking care of yourself. But she had that same disconnect. She thought there's no universe that I'm going to have to spend money on myself long term. And this got to be too much. You know, this is too much money. And so I think that that's part of it is just first lifting the veil and saying it's not an accident. I mean, we all know somebody who does nothing and still is like got a great body, but I'm not really talking about them. I'm talking about most people. Um, it's not an accident. They are investing in themselves in one way or the other time, money, resources, something is being invested in creating that thing that you're seeing. And so once we can lift that veil and say, okay, it's not just luck. And then we say, like you were talking about, there's always going to be a water heater. There's always going to be the dog has to go to the vet. Um, there's always going to be, you know, this is broken. That's a constant, uh, investing in yourself, taking care of your physical body, your vessel that's going to take you through the life that you want has to become a part of your forever budget. Not this year. I'm spending $500, $5,000, $50,000 on a solution. It is forever. I am going to be taking care of myself. I'll be 90 years old and I'll be still paying for a gym membership and paying some 20 year old dude to come train me if I want, you know, and then like, but that is going to be a non-negotiable because even when I'm 90, I'm going to have to invest in self-care. And so when we can make that mental shift, then it becomes a new conversation. And this is what I'm trying to encourage people to have because I hear that all the time too. I mean, I listed off the things that I've legitimately heard in the past two weeks. My dog has a vet bill. The water heater broke. We just got an unplanned bill for some for the kids' college. I can't do this. And what it tells me is that there's no money in your budget to take care of yourself. Um, and so what I've encouraged people to do, because a lot of times this comes up in a conversation with like, let me talk to my spouse, my partner, my whatever, let me check my finances. And then the comeback answer is we can't afford it. I can't afford it because of X, Y, and Z. And instead of playing the game, like you're saying, I'm not trying to convince you in this moment that you're important. In fact, It should start to become a conversation of every year I'm going to invest this amount in my self care. And that amount can be based on your real life, right? Like, not everybody can spend $5,000 or $10,000 or $50,000 a year on self, you know, taking care of yourself. So, within your real life, figure out how much you are going to invest in yourself every year and treat it like tithing. I mean, if you are somebody who goes to church, they always tell you, like, The 10% is immediately given to the church and that comes out first. Then your budget is off of that. And again, I'm not talking about church, whether you think that's good or bad. I'm simply saying like the idea is that you're taking care of your physical body, which is actually going to carry you through your life, that you think about all the time, needs to be first and then all of the other things can be built. Um, and once you make that shift, well, then what do you want to spend it on this year? Are you going to buy a new piece of exercise equipment? Are you going to get a gym membership? Are you going to work with a trainer? Are you going to spend it on a coach this year? Are you going to go on a wellness retreat weekend? Like, are you going to get some education around something that's going to help you? Are you going to invest in like a, some health testing to, to discover what's going on? Like now you can choose inside of that, how you're going to take care of yourself better this year. And so I don't know if that answers it. It exactly. really
0: does. It's a, uh, it's such a powerful reframe. I should say it's an empowering reframe because it really helps to alleviate any stress around the decision making process. It's the decision's already made. And now it's just a what. It's not an if. It's just what direction am I going with this? And I think that the the challenge is probably for most people who are listening right now, how do I approach that conversation with my partner? How do I say when we look at our finances, if you have a partner and you're dealing with joint finances and you're trying to navigate, you know, we have shit to pay for the kids. We have shit to pay for the house. We have all this stuff. We, we need to buy groceries. We need to, you know, keep the heat on. But I'm going to approach my partner and I'm going to say, hey, the first thing when we're budgeting is how much I want to allocate for my own well-being and my own physical, mental, emotional health. How do you recommend somebody, you know, uh, approach that conversation in a productive way?
1: I think all important conversations need to be treated like a conversation where you are asking someone um, to meet you and you're giving them the opportunity to express like where they're at. And then you express where you're at. And then you come up with an agreement. When I think if you approach any important conversation like that, you're more likely to be successful. And so important conversations need to have a time, most likely. Like, hey, I... I wouldn't like bring it up on the fly just randomly sitting at a stoplight because your person's not really listening and they're also not going to understand that it's important to you. If you're like, Hey, I need to talk to you about something important. Everything's okay. But I want to talk to you about this because I'm feeling really unhappy. I'm feeling very overweight. I'm feeling very lethargic. I don't feel good. And I want to talk to you about it. You know, can we talk, you know, on Sunday after the kids soccer game, now you've got a time, and you can have that conversation. So I think that that's part one. And then part two is, and this was this is the hardest one, but asking for support and not permission. At the end of the day, it's like that responsibility piece again. We can say, "Well, my husband says I can't." It's then you're you're not taking ownership over it. You're ultimately not dealing like taking responsibility for the fact that you are dissatisfied in your body. You don't feel good. And so, again, it's a little bit of a shift a reframe is like, I'm asking for your support. Like, I'm going to be resourceful. I'm going to figure out how to do this no matter what. But I want your support because you're important to me in my life. I know that this can fit in. I'm open to being creative about how. And again, like that's your part showing up, being open to solutions, but then saying, I'm going to figure out how to do this anyway. I'm going to figure out how to take care of myself. Even if I have to be resourceful, I'll get a side babysitting job. I'll do, you know, I'll mow some grass. I, it drives me bananas when grown ass adults say that they can't, they tell me they're miserable, miserable in their body and that they think about it all the time. Their health's deteriorating, their joints hurt, their physical body hurts. And then when you present them with the solution that could be, you know, somewhere between $200 and $500 a month or something like that, they're like, I can, I couldn't figure that out. Are you kidding me? Like, let's just be real. You could figure it out. It's just we haven't even allowed ourselves the idea to become resourceful to solve this problem because it's still not in that category for us. It's still in this like luxury. One day I'm going to take care of myself. One day when I can afford it, I can have something as good as coaching or as good as a trainer, as good as a gym membership. No, Um, we can do it now. We just have to be resourceful like you would about anything else. If your water heater breaks, you're fixing it. You're gonna find a way, 100%. and and if your kid is sick, you're gonna find the you're gonna find the answer. Um, it's just we aren't in that category.
0: So, what would you say is the difference if I gave you two avatars, and I'm not gonna give you any background about them? I'm just gonna present the situation of both struggling, both frustrated, not happy in their own body, want to make a change, and neither one of them can quote unquote afford it. And the one says, I can't afford it. Sorry, I'm out. And the other says, I can't afford it, but I'm going to get resourceful and make it work. What, what do you feel like is the fundamental difference there? Because we see that play out all the time. What do you feel like is mentally the difference between the two?
1: I, d- I really do think it's the priority thing. I do. I, I think that once it becomes a priority to the point that we understand what it's costing us and it's no longer acceptable, then we get resourceful. We know how to do this. We know how to be resourceful in other areas. We just don't apply it to this category. We know how to be consistent in other areas. We don't apply it to this category. We know how to you know set goals in other areas. We just don't apply it to this category. It's so weird that we have this bubble that we think, you know, it. those things don't apply, but success is repeatable. The things that you do to create success in other parts of your life, you can apply to this.
0: If we're looking at the habits and behaviors and mindset of successful people, uh, we mentioned not being transactional. They're very process focused and they're able to say, Number 1 I want to enjoy the process but I I know that these actions and behaviors and habits are ultimately going to lead to the result and maybe it's not the exact result who cares I know if I do these things I'm going to feel better it's going to get me close enough and they're also willing to get resourceful and say like this is just what I do this I I allocate this amount of money to my own health and well-being it's a non-negotiable and maybe it's not necessarily about the finance itself but it's I am going to put Resources and different forms of currency because there are plenty of currency aside from money, just attention and energy and time. So we have these currencies that we're investing, and those are non negotiables. I'm showing like that goes first. I prioritize myself, and then everything else gets filled in after that. Uh, What would you say are other trends or other commonalities when you look at the clients that you've had, or even yourself, your own journey? Like, what are some of the things that outside of being more process-focused and prioritizing themselves, investing in themselves, getting resourceful. What are other commonalities that you see among successful people?
1: People who have uh, let go of the the flashy all-or-nothing mindset. Um And I say it's flashy because it is. It's super sexy to be like, I'm all in. I'm going to do this perfect or I'm going to wait until whenever because then I can really show up and do it. That always sounds good. Um, But that is not a mindset of successful people. (laughs) I mean, you can be fully committed to something and still accept that it's not going to be all or nothing. There are going to be life factors that impact you on a daily basis, and when you let go of the idea that it has to be perfect, and you can just start showing up with what you have that day, that is one of the key shifts.
0: I want to I want to say something and just get your on the spot reaction to it. And I haven't said this before. I am uh, Christy, and I are both speaking at an event. Uh, this podcast will come out, and the event will have already passed. But we, uh, we're we going to Vegas. We are speaking at the Real Coaches Summit hosted by Ram, uh, who I referenced earlier. And my talk, the premise of my talk is that there are like, what, 30 speakers at the event, and all of them are much smarter than me. And everyone's going to talk about, my guess is that most people are going to talk about how to help clients, because it's for coaches, how to help clients be successful. Like, We have people who are experts in hormone health and gut health and metabolism and, you know, body, uh, like prep, uh, bodybuilders, bikini competitors. Like we have coaches there that truly know their shit and can tell you exactly what you need to do to be successful. My whole presentation is how do we help people fail more effectively? Like, I don't care about the perfect way to be successful. I don't care about the best nutrition plan. I don't care about how to optimize your metabolism because I think all of those things facilitate the mindset that you just alluded to, which is if I follow this plan exactly and perfectly, then I will get this result. What I want to do is teach people how to fail and fail more effectively and go into the ugly part of the process that we often skip. Like, the binging, the overindulging, the poor relationship with food, the mindset issues, the labels that we put on ourselves, our identity issues, our self-limiting beliefs, like the stuff that just gets swept under the rug. And it's like, but no, here's the path to success. Like, just, just go back on this track because I have the perfect track for you. What are your thoughts on that, teaching people how to fail?
1: I love teaching people how to fail and how to start over both. I think they go together. And one is sort of while you're in the process, you're accepting that, you know, you might make mistakes or that you, you maybe you committed to, you told your coach or you told yourself that you were going to this weekend not have all of the shenanigans that you normally do on the weekend. And you were pretty good Friday and then Saturday came around and life went sideways. And then by Saturday night, you were like, F it. You guys ordered food in. It was not what you had told yourself. And then Sunday morning you were pissed you ended up just going ahead and getting the donuts and whatever. Then the rest of the day Sunday wasn't so bad. But that's how your weekend went. And you had told yourself that that wasn't going to happen. And so when you're an all or nothing, you failed. You failed. You failed the whole thing. You didn't keep your commitment. You've F- you fucked up. You better start over. New commitment time. But when you shift into like what you're saying, which is sort of embracing the it the mistakes or the you know not succeeding or failing or you know people call it like failing forward you say well okay i i did get friday pretty well saturday morning was fine you know i did make these choices and then sunday wasn't good or sunday saturday night didn't go well why didn't that go well so instead of just giving yourself a scorecard Okay. Well, I was like six out of 10. I guess I did okay. Like That's fine. That's better than all or nothing. But the real magic is to say like, why did Saturday go sideways? Turns out I skipped lunch. And because I skipped lunch, then when X, Y, and Z happened, I was starving and I had no capacity to make a different choice. So we ended up ordering pizza and so on. And so then now you've taken what could be a failure and said like, I figured it out. (laughs) if I eat lunch before we go to 75 kid activities, I'm probably going to be more successful. And now you have a solution for next weekend. And so that's what that looks like in action. You're basically learning while you're doing it. And that's a completely different
0: approach. I think that that is like at the crux, of I think that is where success happens. I think the, the ability to understand that it's not just, oh, well, I fucked this up and I'm going to just sweep it under the rug and power through because then you repeat the same, mistakes. You've never actually learned why this failure happened. My belief is that quote unquote failure is nothing more than in that moment, there was a reason why that was the better decision. Like it was the better decision to eat a pint of ice cream. It was the better decision to skip the gym. It was in the moment. You may be able to take a step back days later and be like, no, it wasn't the better decision. In the moment for you, it was the better decision. Why? And then we can get to the root of that. Like maybe it was the better decision because you didn't take any time to recharge your batteries all week. So in the moment you were on empty and it was the better decision to recharge with a pint of ice cream. It served you more in that moment. Okay, great. Well, now we understand why that happened. And we know that we can't go an entire week without recharging our batteries. Otherwise the pint of ice cream is the better decision. I think that that is exactly how success is actually created by leaning into those failures and not just being like, get back on track because we know the, the path to success looks like this. I think that we're, we're playing with fire on the all or nothing mindset if we always take that approach. Um, so the last thing I want to ask you is for somebody who's listening and is like, I struggle with all of these things. I struggle with the transactional mindset. I struggle with an all or nothing mindset. I struggle to invest in myself and prioritize myself, but I want to change these things. Help me.
1: Well, what you said before about investing in yourself, I think is an important um reminder before I answer that is that how you would change those things is going to require investment now it's resources it could be money but it could be time it could be attention it could be energy and so you can knowing that you are going to have to invest in the solution I think that's the first step There's no magic quick fix here, right? We're not selling microwaves out of the back of a car and getting rich. Like you have to decide, okay, I'm going to invest in this somehow, some way. And so if you don't have the money, well, then guess what? You're going to need to be extra resourceful to find the answers. You're going to have to be extra organized to make your plan. And you're going to have to be resourceful. Get your butt on YouTube, start looking up videos, start learning, going through that process. You can do it. Um, on your own. You truly can. It's just, do you want to do it on your own? Would it serve you better to have a plan to have someone help you? And again, it could be an accountability buddy, right? You could just be like, hey, I'm going to reach out to my friend at work who seems to go to the gym every day. And I'm going to ask her, can I go with you? And so putting yourself out there and saying like, I might not be the most successful if I do this on my own is probably the next thing. You want to make these changes. We'll start acting. Stop thinking about it. Like in in the person that you just described, like I they're listening to this and they're thinking, that's me. I'm transactional. I, you know, I do I do have the all or nothing mindset. I really struggle with budgeting for myself in any category, resources, time, money, energy, all of it. That is me. The solution isn't to find the perfect plan. It's to start doing something about it. And while you're in motion, then you start learning. And so that's another big disconnect that I think people have is like, well, let me do some homework. Let me do some research. Let me talk, you know, we'll figure out when it's going to, you're, you're wasting more time. You're better off joining the gym that you think is going to work, realizing you don't love it because of X, Y, and Z. And then find the next one. Move on. You learned why it didn't work. Now you're moving to the next thing. And okay, that one works better. But you wouldn't have even known that had you not put yourself in motion and start doing it. Another thing that I tell people is like, you sometimes you can't discover the problems that you need to solve until you're, till you're actively doing something about it. And so one of the first things that we do in the Fit Me program is start to create some boundaries, especially around... um Things like fast food or drinking calories and things like that. Just simple things like, you know, this probably isn't something we should do every day. Well, one of the big pushbacks I get is, well, what else am I gonna eat? And I'm like, perfect. We found the thing to work on. Like you're used to going to Chick-fil-A six nights a week. And now I'm telling you, hey, let's let's make Chick-fil-A a a treat, not something we use as a crutch every day. And you're like, well, what do I cook for dinner? Perfect. Now we're gonna actually focus on the thing that's going to lead you to the long-term success. But oftentimes it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, well, this is what's what I'm doing. Uh, so unless you tell me exactly how I'm going to do something alternative, then I'm not going to change it. But we actually need to put ourselves in a position to do it, to learn. Um, you can read a book about hitting a baseball all day long. You can You can learn how to stand at the plate, to hold the bat, to look at the pitch coming at you to turn your hips, to like dig your toe in the sand. And you could become the book expert at hitting a baseball. And it matters zero until you pick up the bat and stand there and swing. And you're going to feel like a dummy the first, you know, thousand times and you're not going to hit the ball a lot. But if you've, if you start to actually swing the bat, then all of a sudden you're going to start to get better. And I would argue that that is a faster way to get better than the book version. Like,
0: I I think ultimately the quote that comes to mind is overthinking gives your problems life and action starves them. And Mm -hmm. I think that's at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You're not going to solve the problem by doing more research, by reading more. Like the baseball analogy is spot on because you read the first book and then you master maybe hitting a fastball, but now you actually have to put it into practice, but you didn't learn the book about a curveball. So now you have to read another book to read about a curveball. Then there's a slider and then there's a changeup. And now you've like six books deep and you still can't hit a freaking baseball because you haven't actually swung a bat. So just do it, pick up the bat, start swinging. And then you realize, oh, there's various pitches that I need to learn how to hit, but I'm going to learn by doing. Because now that I can hit a fastball, I'm going to figure out how to hit this curveball. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to see it earlier, and I'm going to adjust. And that is the game that we're playing. It's picking up the bat and swinging and then figuring it out as you go. I think every time we try to wait for the perfect opportunity, the perfect uh, amount of research or homework that we need to do, it is a delay tactic. It is out of fear and uncertainty. And when you find yourself in that pattern, it's just an awareness thing. I recognize that in my brain, it's telling me I need more research. I need more time. Can I challenge that thought? Because now that I'm aware of the thought, I have the ability to say, is this rooted in truth? Do I actually need more research or more time? Or is this something that has been a problem for 10, 20, 30 years and I just need to do something about it? Mm -hmm. Another thing you mentioned is with resources, is the doing something. Maybe you don't have the finances. I know that you offer like anybody could follow you, participate in a lot of the free stuff you have, and make a lifelong change. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that, like the things that you offer, um, how people can find you, and just um, you know, want to give you a chance to because anybody has the ability to follow you for free on social media to join your Facebook community. Um, I know you have free uh, little like challenges and things that you do as a community that are very supportive and helpful and. Empowering, so um, just wanted to make sure that you highlight that.
1: No, I appreciate that, and I think uh, I like this idea of baseball. This whole baseball concept, my brain's going to be thinking about this for a little while because it it almost parallels this too. Because I want to be part of helping people who are in motion get better faster, and so like there's YouTube content, right? You could if you were determined to learn how to hit a baseball and you got a bat and you got a ball and you're just starting, having some of those YouTube videos would be helpful, especially if you're practicing, right? That's the only reason they would be helpful. If you're out practicing, you could get some free stuff and learn. Um, And I want to be a part of that for this category. And so what I do is one, I put out a podcast almost daily. It's called Fit Me Coffee Talk. It's it's usually between four and five days a week, and it's short, 10 to 15 minutes long. And it's designed to give you something valuable to help you with your day. Um, and so that's one of the ways, again, like I want to give you the opportunity to consume something for free and and either get in motion or to help you when you're working on this. And then inside of our Facebook group, um, we do free games and challenges every single month. And these are completely for free for you to work on nutrition, to get moving and get exercising and to sort of address that whole environment mindset piece completely for free. Um, And I always tell people you can find success with Fit Me in a couple of different ways and being motivated to show up and consume the free stuff and do it, not just consume, but do it like we talked about. You can make progress. Um, and then what I want to offer too, and what we do offer is obviously a coaching program. Our program's a year long and it's designed to create this fundamental lifestyle shift in nutrition, exercise, and your mindset. And it's very similar to this whole baseball concept, right? If you are like, I got to get better faster, it's going to take me six years to do this. If I do it this way, I need some help. I want to do it faster. That's what coaching is. We will cut out some of the pain because we will take you there faster. We've done it before. We've done it many times. We will save you some of the mistakes along the way. You still have to do the work. Can't swing that bat for you, but I'm going to make you get there faster. We're going to hit the ball farther and sooner if you get a coaching. And so if that is something that you want, then we offer that. And so that's how I like to think about coaching. You can, if this is your only option, you can do this on your own you're still going to have to do the work um, and just take in those free resources that we put out and go for it. But if you want to get there faster and you want to hit that ball farther, we're here to help you. Um, And so that's kind of what our programs are.
0: Yeah, no, that's really well said. Um, And for anybody that wants to follow you, where's the best place to connect with you on the socials?
1: Uh, So two, I would, I would say two places. One is that podcast, Fit Me Coffee Talk. Um, so subscribe to the podcast. And the second place is on my Instagram account. Um, it's Christy May Campbell. And, uh, I try to put as much as I can in my stories. And so, you know, I do do feed posts and stuff like that. But if you're going to follow me, then follow my stories because I try to share my real life. I try to give you previews into the things that you might want to take advantage of, like those free opportunities, um, to learn, to do, um, to grow. And I also just am showing you my real life because. I am not like some magical coach who has it all figured out. I have three kids. Um, You know, I'm I'm like trying to juggle being a mom, trying to take care of them, take care of myself, do it in real life. And so I show you that so that you can see that I'm not perfect and we can kind of do this together.
0: Awesome. I appreciate the time. As always, uh, there's always, um, I always take something away from our conversations and I feel like it's super insightful and I'm excited to see you in real life in a couple of days. Me too. All right, Me I will too. talk to you soon.
1: Thank you.